you know, you get the color change before the the fall weather, uh, wind and all that kicks in. And uh, I always think of, <laughs> I always think of um, Charlie Brown when the Lee and Snoopy when the leaves are flying across the road and Winnie the Pooh. It's a blustery day, blustery day. Well, glory to God, it's prayer and healing school. Um, last week, uh, well, we're, we're in the book of Kings. We're looking at the book of Kings, um, healings that have transpired in, those, in, the, books of, in the book of Kings. Uh, this is the second week we're looking at this. Last week, we looked at um, um, that the man of God uh, prayed um, for King Jeroboam. Actually, he called Jeroboam out for his... Uh, behavior against God, and uh, when Jeroboam stretched forth his hand to to have him taken, uh, he got paralyzed, and then uh, Jeroboam suddenly said, oh, why don't you pray for me, and the man did pray, and the man of God prayed, and, and God healed, and uh, so praise God, and then we saw last week uh, where Elijah, uh, remember the widow woman was taking care of him, and then her son died, and even after he, I mean, she had been living under the provision of Elijah's, um, you know, God's provision under Elijah. And yet she, when her son died, she was like, are you really a man of God? And we're like, uh, have you starved to death yet? Like, he's got you. Um, but remember, she got a little sassy with him, and we looked at that. And I should have, before I closed out last week, I should have taken us to uh Luke chapter 4, because uh, Luke actually writes about this account. Um, so let's go to Luke chapter 4 to start tonight. Now, we've already prayed and spent time in the Spirit and had a good time there. So we're for the sake of time, we're just going to jump right in. But turn real quick to uh, Luke uh, chapter 4. I want to look at this. And uh, because Jesus actually refers to this, refers to uh, Elijah healing this man, or this this boy. And uh, remember, she was the widow woman. And uh, so Elijah, I mean Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 24. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Um, and here Jesus begins to speak. Well, uh, he actually, uh, and uh, well, let's look at, he actually speaks in 23. And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself whatsoever uh, we have heard done in Capernaum do also here in thy country. They were asking for signs and wonders and all of this stuff. And uh, Jesus said, uh, and he and he continued to say, and he said, Verily I say unto you that no prophet is is accepted in his own country. He was in his own country. He was in his own land. And he says, he says, doesn't matter uh, what prophet you're talking to, what prophet you're dealing with. Uh, there was not been a single prophet of God that's ever been accepted in his own country. He said, and uh, and then he goes on, he says, but I tell you uh, of a truth. He said, many widows, now check this out, many widows were in Israel, the nation of Israel, in the day of Elijah, talking about Elijah, 
And it says, uh, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, that's how long the famine was. So here they have a famine in the land, and they have many, Jesus said there were many widows at the time. How much you know Jesus knew? Uh, and uh, it says, uh, when the great famine was throughout all the land, throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah or Elijah sent, save to uh, to Sarepta, uh, a city in Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. You know, there were lots and lots of widows, but God sent Elijah only to this one widow. Only to this one widow. And uh, this is actually the only healing in um, that, that's recorded that Elijah had a hand on. You know, Elijah's looked at as one, as one of the greatest prophets. But yet, this is the only recorded healing that we know of. Uh, because why, Does that mean that God wasn't into healing people in Elijah's day? No, obviously he was. But we also have to remember that Israel was in great rebellion, and they weren't looking to God. They weren't looking to God. Um, so, uh, you know, we saw that this woman, even though she was being well cared for by the hand of God, uh, she didn't even have a lot of faith in God. Because when her son died, uh, she went to Elijah and said, uh, aren't you supposed to be a man of God? And here it is, my son, I've been taking care of you. How much, you know, he had been taking care of her. Uh, and she said, and, and this, is my, this is what I get for you. you. You know, you allow my son to die. And, of course, Elijah did what any good man of God would do. He understood that because of her emotional distress that she needed some help in faith. So he took the boy and took him upstairs and uh, sought God, got, him, got the boy away from doubt and unbelief, got to where he could hear from God, uh, pled the child's case, and then uh, did an act of faith by stretching, him across, stretching himself across the young man uh, three times, and the Lord brought him back to life. But the point, in the, but the reason I wanted to bring this to you is one: I want you to, sh- I want to show you um, that God, that the scriptures are connected, and two, God said, Here, "Here's the deal: a lot of people want and expect God to just heal, just to heal. But God is a faith God. He's a faith God, and you've got to apply some type of faith." And now is that well? That's a quid for quid pro quo. No, it's just that's that's a spiritual law. Is that faith has to be in operation in order for God to operate. And so obviously, in order for God to send Elijah to this one particular widow, even though she was slow to get to faith, she obviously had some faith. Even though, because, because God sent that widow, he sent Elijah the prophet to that widow woman. So there was something about this widow woman that allowed God to move on her behalf. Um, and so, you know, we can look at, well, she didn't have faith or she questioned Elijah or something along those lines. But obviously she had some type of faith in comparison to all these other people. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out because we want to show you that the scriptures all do connect. Tonight, we're going to actually turn to 2 Kings. 
That was in 1 Kings. Tonight we're going to begin to look at 2 Kings. And as I said, that was the only healing that Elijah did. Now, we know that Elijah had a servant or a minister under him, and his name was Elisha. Now, as I, was, as I was going through and I was looking at these healings, I saw something miraculous about Elijah and Elisha that I had never seen before. I had never seen this before. And, um, you know, we know in the Old Testament that everything in the Old Testament is types and shadows of Jesus Christ. There are types and shadows of the New Covenant, and we understand that. And I always looked at Elijah and Elisha being very similar to Moses and Joshua, uh, you know, because Joshua was Moses' servant led into the Promised Land and things like that. But when I was reading this, I realized that Elijah is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ, which I had known that. But Elisha is a type and shadow of the church today. Elisha is a type and shadow of the New Testament believer. I'm going to show you some things about this. Uh, So go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Now for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of uh, this chapter, um, but I want to kind of give you a quick summary here. And a lot, and uh, well, yeah, we can get well. No, we're not going to read the whole thing. All right. In a, in Second Kings chapter two, it starts off in verse one, and it says here, and it says, and it came to pass when the Lord had taken up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from uh, Gilgal. So this chapter is a, what we see in the first several verses is how the Lord was preparing to take Elijah up. And Elisha was right there with them. Now, if you'll remember, uh, Jesus was getting getting ready to be taken up. And if you remember, Everybody was right there with Jesus until he started talking about, until he did that one sermon about drink my blood and eat my flesh. And then all of a sudden they all scattered. But there were the 12. And the 12 said, Lord, where am I going to go? Remember that? Well, check this out. Check out Elijah and Elisha. In verse 2 it says, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here. In other words, wait here, I pray thee. For the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, check this out, Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So Elijah said, listen, the Lord's getting ready to take me out of here. Elisha, you're going to be on your own now. It's time for you to work this out with God. Uh, You stay here. And Elisha said, no, I'm going where you go. I'm going where you go. I said I wasn't going to read the whole thing, but I think we are by the Spirit. He said, no, I, and he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going to go. He said, no, I'm going to go. And uh, so he goes. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel, so he follows into Bethel. And he says, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel. And now, when it says sons, it's not talking biological sons. 
it's talking about the ones being taught by the by the disciples of the other prophets of the day. Elijah was not the only prophet. He was just the primary prophet. And uh, he says, but the sons of the prophets were at Bethel, came forth to Elisha. Now check out what they said. And they said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? They said, don't you know that the Lord's fixing to call your master home? How much do you know? The Jesus had been telling the disciples the whole time, I'm here with you for a little while, but I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting ready to go. Can you see this type in shadow? And uh, he said, and look at what Elisha said. Oh, my goodness. And Elisha said unto him, Knowest thou that he said, he said, don't you know that he's going to take him away today? And at the end of the verse, he said, and he, and he said, Elisha said, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Hold your peace. (laughs) He said, he said, don't talk to me about it. Don't talk to me about it. How much do you know? We need to say that to the devil sometimes. Hold your peace, Satan. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto, said unto him, Elisha, tarry here. Elisha, stay here in Bethel. He said, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth. Now check out Elisha's faithfulness. He said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth. Notice Joshua. Now, now they didn't have the spirit like we have the spirit. Basically, Elisha said, uh, as long as I have breath in my being, as long as God is alive and I am alive, he said, as long as God's alive, as long as I'm alive, he said, I will not leave thee. He made a commitment that he was not going to leave the one that God had assigned him to. We have to make this commitment. When, God's, when God puts God connections in your life, you have to make the commitment. I have watched Christians. I've watched it. I've watched it. I've watched it. I've seen Christians say, I'm assigned to this ministry. I'm assigned to this camp. This is where I'm, this is where I'm set. And before long, they're gone. But Elisha meant it. He said, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away the master from thy head today? Well, now they've traveled. But guess what? He's still there. We think physical day. But this is they're talking spiritual talk. He said... And he answered, yes, I know. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. Don't you know you'll be assigned to somebody and somebody will come to you with some complaint, with some reason why you should move on? And look at what Elisha said. He said, don't talk to me. Hold your peace. I don't care. Basically, he said, I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about your opinion. The only opinion that he looked at was the opinion of God. That's the only opinion that he looked at. He said, and then, and Elisha said to him, Terry, I pray thee. Now, he, he's in Jericho. 
They went from Bethel. Now they're in Jericho. And he said, now, Elisha, stay here. And he said, for the Lord hath called me to the Jordan. And he said, again, he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they, too, went on. Well, probably about now, Elijah's probably getting a little, he's like, this man will not listen to me. And, uh, and it says, now check this out. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they, too, stood by the Jordan. So here, Elijah and Elisha are standing by the Jordan River. There's 50, prof- 50 prophets or 50 students of the prophets, disciples of the prophets, standing by. And Elijah took his mantle, which was his cloak, but it represented the power of God, the tangible power of God. He took off his cloak and he wrapped it, uh, he wrapped it together and he smote the waters. Many people think that Moses is the only one that divided the waters under the power of God. No, Elijah did it. And we're going to see in a minute that Elisha does it too. And uh, I think we're going to get that far. And, uh, and uh, he said, smote the waters. And uh, they were divided hither and thither. So they too went over on dry ground. So they got the 50 prophets over here. You got the two, you got the 50 disciples of the prophets over here. Here you got Elijah and Elisha. Elijah smacks the water with the power of God through his mantle. And the, the river uh, moves, the river uh, separates. And does it say that they walked across on wet mud sinking all the way across? No, they went across on dry ground, dry ground. And uh, he says, and, they, and, and so the two go across, and the 50 are separated across. And it says, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha. Now check this out. He, he said, ask what I shall do for thee. Elijah figured out that Elisha was wanting something. That, that, they were, that, that Elisha desired something. And he said, ask what, they, what I shall do for thee. He said, ask what I can do. What can I do for you? And uh, <laughs> he's so funny. He said, um, oh, my goodness. I lost my place, but hold on, it's coming. They walked over on the dry ground, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I will do for thee before I be taken. Look look what he said. Before I leave you, what do you want from me? So Elijah knows he's getting ready to go. Now check this out. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elisha asked Elijah to give him something that Elijah had no power to give him. Elijah could not, Elijah couldn't do anything about the spirit. The only one that could give Elisha a double portion was the Father God. 
But Elisha showed himself faithful to God's servant. He showed himself faithful. He showed himself committed. He showed himself what he could do. And he said, "I uh, look at what he prayed for. He prayed for a double portion of the Spirit. In other words, Elisha said, I want, I want, now I don't want just what you have. I want twice what you have. Now remember in the Old Testament, the Spirit could only rest upon the prophets. Remember, the Spirit in the fullness only rested on Jesus. What Elisha asked for was a better, was a better, a better portion of the Spirit. And how much, you know, we, the newborn again believer, we don't have the Spirit on us. We have the Spirit in us, in us. This is a type and shadow of the church. He said, I want a double portion. Remember what Jesus said? Now, Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. We have the Holy Spirit with a measure. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I truly believe this with everything in me. I believe, yes, we have an initial measure of the Spirit like, like you have an, a measure of faith. But I also firmly believe that the amount of spirit that you walk in, the amount of spiritual power that you walk in, is dependent on your choices. Dependent on how much time you get along with God. Dependent on how much time you pray. Dependent on how obedient you are to be a doer of the word. Why do I believe this? Because I have walked in different levels of spiritual power, and the different levels have always been contingent on my walk with God. And Jesus said this. Jesus said when he was getting ready to go, Jesus said the works that I do, which Elijah could say, the works that I do, you will do also. But even because he asked for a double portion, he said, but basically when Elisha got this double portion, which we're going to see in a minute, he gets it. When Elisha got this double portion, he actually did greater healing. He's actually got several healings listed, and he did actually bigger miracles than Elijah did. But Elijah is the one that gets all the glory. Why? Because Elijah is the type and shadow of Jesus. And if it wasn't for what Elisha got from Elijah, Elisha couldn't have done anything. He couldn't have done anything. This is why Elijah and Elisha is a type and shadow of the New Testament church and Jesus. That's why. But look at what he said. And this is, and look at, I mean, how, how Elijah applies, uh, answers this thing is amazing. Look at what he said. And he said, thou has asked a hard thing. Why did he say he asked? Elisha, you're asking a hard thing. Number one, Elijah didn't have the power to give it. Only the Father God does. But number two, when you walk in that level of anointing, when you walk in that level of power, when you walk in that double portion, when you walk in the fullness of what God has called you to walk in, it's a hard thing. Because you're going to have to walk in a manner that nobody else around you walks. Because your flesh can only deal with so much God power. 
Your flesh can only contain so much. Now, well, now wait a minute, Pastor. Now wait a minute. That 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 man there in the tomb, they Jesus cast two thousand demons out of him. I mean, you can contain a lot of power. Yeah, you can contain a lot of power, but God's power is far exceeding any demonic power. And there is only so much. I have walked in that place with the anointing so thick that after about two weeks, I said, oh, God, you got to turn this thing down. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't. I mean, it was rough. I mean, I just get caught up in the spirit just like that. Those days are returning. Thank you, Jesus. Those days are returning. And I'm just going to say, instead of saying, oh, Jesus, turn it down, I'm going to say, oh, Jesus, strengthen me. Oh, Lord Jesus, strengthen me. Make me able to handle this level. Help me to get, Father, send the angels to bring some aid. Because we're going to have to have that level to break the demonic in the world today. Oh, glory to God. Well, I thought this is healing school. Well, hold on. Hold on. Just hold on. We're going to get there. He said, this is a hard thing. And then he said this. In other words, what did Elijah do? Elijah checked his spirit. You're going to see something. Check this out. He said, if thou see me when I am taken up from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. That always bothered me. Why does Elijah have to be present, or Elisha have to be present when Elijah gets taken up? When was Jesus, when did Jesus ascend? Think about it. When did Jesus ascend for the final time? After the 40 days, after he met with the disciples, in fact, he was giving instruction. He had just told them, go and tarry in Jerusalem until the, until the Spirit is poured out. If you weren't there to get that instruction, you would not know in that day where to go to get that power. Now, but, well, see, you can't get that power. No, because at that time, it would, the instruction wasn't written down. But now the instruction is written down. Now we know to get that power, all we have to do is receive the Holy Ghost. But in that moment, the disciples had to be present at Jesus' ascension so that they could get the instruction. So Elijah had to be present to, to get the... Uh, to, to be able to pick up that anointing. It's through the instruction. So Elijah hit, listened to his spirit, and the spirit, and, and the spirit of God spoke to him and said, if he's present at the time that you depart, if he stays with you right to the end, if he stays until I tell him he can move on, if he'll stay all the way through, if he'll stay planted, then I'll give him his request. Listen, too many people make a request of God and they quit and they leave where they're planted before the breakthrough comes through. Many people set their faith on their miracle healing and then they quit. Then they quit. 
They're in faith. They're standing. They're believing. They're standing. They're believing. They're commanding the faith. They're commanding sickness to go. They're commanding healing to come. They're waiting for their manifestation. They're standing and they're fighting and they're fighting. And they get weary in well-doing and they depart right before the manifestation comes. If Elijah, if Elisha had heard these words and and then said, well, I, I, just, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to stay with you that long, so I guess you're right. I guess I need to go ahead and depart. How much do you know he would have never gotten it? No, if God says you're healed, you're healed. It doesn't matter what your body says. If God says you're healed, you're healed. If God bore your sickness, he bore your sickness. And there's no need for you to do it. For you to say, well, I guess it's just not God's plan to heal me. Well, if it's not God's plan to heal you, why did Jesus have to go to the whipping post? Think about that. It wouldn't have been necessary. It wouldn't have been necessary. So, no, he said, he said this, he said, thou... Has asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. If you don't stay till the manifestation, you're not going to get your request. You've got to stay until you get your manifestation. And and, uh, verse 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked. You know, how much, you know, they're going, he's like, man, I just. I just, I just, I just said, come on, give me, you know, come on. And had at any point during the discussion, he could have gotten discouraged and left. At any point, it doesn't tell us how long they walked. For the right here, it says that they walked. And it says that, um, that in verse eleven, and it says, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, uh, there appeared. The writers put that in there, in there to help us understand what happened. There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. In other words, this chariot of fire came out of the heavens and came right between Elijah and Elisha. Now, how much do you know? Because remember, Elisha's thinking, I got to be right there with Elijah. I got to be right there. And now this chariot of fire comes down and separates them. How much you know? This could be the moment that Elisha goes, I'm separated now. Now there's, now that's it. It's over. No, you got to stay right there to the end. This chariot of fire comes down. Um, this chariot of fire and horses of fire parted them asunder. I mean, they were, they were separated. He's not right there. I mean, he can see, but he's, he's not right beside him. And, uh, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. How much you know right now the pressure is on? How much you know right now Elisha is thinking, there went my double portion. There went my miracle. There went my manifestation. He has this opportunity. He has this opportunity. But Elisha does something miraculous. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He said, my father, God, my spiritual father, the chariots, 
He's, he's, he's in a panic. He's freaking out. He's panicking. And he saw him no more. And he took a hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He was emotionally distressed. He was emotionally worn out. He's thinking, I had one thing I wanted. I had one thing I desired. And now it's gone. How much, you know, that's the, that's the position the devil wants to get you in about your healing. That's the same position the devil. Now, was God trying to get him in that position? No. Because let's face it, if the whirlwind came down and Elisha was standing next to Elijah and Elisha wasn't ready to go, uh, Elisha would have gone anyways because uh, the power of God. He wouldn't have been able to sustain in the power of God. That chariot had to separate him for his own benefit. And we can understand that now. But look at verse 13. Woo, Elisha does something amazing. And it says, and he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. One thing fell from Elijah's body, and it was his mantle. It was his cloak. Now, remember, remember, what did Elijah use to, to part the Jordan River? The mantle, the cloak. And so when Elisha saw that mantle, it says he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said. In other words, Elijah, instead of in the midst of his distress, instead of getting upset, instead of quitting, he doubles down. Look at what he does. He doubles down. He grabs a hold of this, of this cloak and he smotes the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He grabbed a hold of that mantle that had once represented the power of God and he did exactly what he saw his father Elijah do. He grabbed that thing and he whacked that water with the mantle and he said, where is the God of Elijah? In other words, when the, when the natural sister, the natural world around him said, you're not getting it. Instead of quitting and giving up, Elijah got serious. Elisha got serious. Elisha said, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. And he, he basically called God. He basically called God out and he basically said, God, you said if I was present, I would get it. That's basically what he said. How much you know when it comes to your healing, you've got to be bold and you've got to say, God, Jesus, that your word says that by his stripes, I am healed. Therefore, I am healed. You've got to get, you've got to double down. As they used to say, you know, one of the old things that I heard growing up was, uh, you've got to double dog dare sometimes and say, ha ha, sickness. You ain't staying. I have a promise from the Father God on high, and I'm taking it. You can't quit. You can't give up. You can't quit. You can't give up. And this is how, Now, listen, this applies to your finances. This applies to your mental health. This, this, your mental health. This applies to your emotional state. This applies to you putting sin 
been under. This applies to you getting your body under control. I have done this many times. I have, I mean, I have flat said when I've gone to write a tithe check or a giving check, and I mean, I didn't, I, and I wrote it for everything I had in my bank account. And the devil said, "You better not write that, or you gonna pay for gas." I said, "Oh, devil, you mess." I said, I, "This is how much I'm giving, and if you say one more thing to me, I'm gonna double it." Now I don't recommend writing hot checks. I'm not saying you write hot checks at all. And at this time, uh, back in that, at that point in time, you couldn't, you know, they couldn't just go back in the church office and snap pictures and send it to the bank immediately. It took a few days. So you had a few days to take care of some things. So I don't reckon, and, and so we don't write hot checks, but I would flat tell the devil, you all foul devil, you keep messing with me and I'm going to double it. And I would. Why? Because I knew who my God was. I knew who my God was. And I said, my God is the God of prosperity. And he said, if I sowed, increase will come, so I'm sowing. And guess what? We're in good shape. Now, does that mean we don't have any financial cares? No, we got to believe God every month for our bills. we got to believe every month for our supply. There's never going to come a day that we're not going to have to use our faith. But every time God turns around and he shows up and he brings the supply... When, you know, God, uh, you know, sickness has hit my body. And I said, no, Lord, no. No, I'm, I'm healed. Satan, Satan, I'm not taking this sickness. I got delivered from asthma because I would, uh, because every time I would, you know, at, at that point in time, uh, it was kind of exercise induced. So I would purposely go for long walks. And uh, I'd grab my inhaler for godly wisdom but i put it in my pocket and i'd refuse to use it it's there if it got bad enough it would be there but this is what i would do i would take off a walking and when my breathing started to get a little frustrated i just begin to say nope i incline my ear onto my father's breath his breath is strong his breath is steady his breath has no weakness i match my breathing to his breathing glory to god jesus said i'm the healed of the lord so i'm the healed of the lord and i've got the breath of god on the inside of me i'm the healed of the lord i incline my ear to his breathing i his breath is strong his breath is steady his breath is silent don't know if you know anything about asthma but you can literally hear yourself suffocating Oh, Lord Jesus, my, it's silent in my head. Come on. And I got completely delivered off of it. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because it doubled down. Sometimes you just got to get serious with the things of God. And he took, verse 14, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where, where is the Lord of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. He went back, he went right back across, because he didn't have the commandment to go. So he went right back across to where the 50, don't forget, the 50 disciples of the prophets were standing there watching this whole thing. They've seen the whole thing. And he walked back over. <laughs> he walked back over. Oh, servants of Satan, I'll show you. <laughs> Anyways. And then the sons of the prophets 
which were there, uh, which were to view at Jericho, saw him. They said, "The spirit of Elijah doeth rest with Elisha." They said, "Ooh, the spirit of Elijah's on you." Ooh, they said, "Oh, now, now." We're, a few minutes ago, they were telling Elisha just leaving. Now they're saying, "Oh, you're somebody special. Elijah's Elijah's power's resting on you." And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They're worshiping him. He's just trying to, all he's trying to do is get what belonged to him. (laughs) That's all he was trying to get. And they said to him, behold, now there be with thy servants 50 strong men. He said, we're your servants. Now they've left the prophets. Now they're all Elisha's prophets. We're your servants. We're your servants. Listen, when you start walking with the power of God, people are going to flock to you. They're going to flock to you not because they believe in your God, but because they want to see the supernatural. They want to see the spectacular. He said, uh, these strong men, let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. <laughs> at least, pray, uh, at least uh, uh, per adventure, the spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon a mountain or onto some or into some valley, and he said, "You shall not send." Listen, <laughs> these prophets, these these disciples of these prophets, they said, um, "Elisha, we think that God is probably taking Elijah. We understand that you have the power of Elijah, but more than likely, God sucked him up and dumped him on top of a mountain or in some valley. He's probably laying there dead somewhere." Don't you want us to go find them? And Elijah's thinking, why would you go do that? He's in heaven. He's gone with God. Why? Why? He said, no, don't go. No, don't go. And, and when they urged him till he was ashamed, in other words, they guilted him. They shamed him. They, they came against him and said, oh, you know that, you know, if we, if you don't send us out, everybody's going to talk bad about you. And I mean, they just brought all kinds of shame against him. Now, he wasn't really ashamed. They were just trying to guilt trip him. And uh, finally, he said, send. Just, just go. You're just, if that, you're just that dogmatic about it, just go. And, uh, they sent for, therefore, uh, 50 men and sought for three days, but found him not. How many days did they search for Jesus' body? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, remember they were searching for him. How long was he in the tomb? Three days. Come on. <laughs> they searched for him three days and could not find him. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he was waiting on him at Jericho. He's waiting for him to come back. He said, did I not say unto you, go not? They came back whining. Oh, we've been to the mountaintop. We've been to the valley. We've been everywhere in between. All 50 of us, I mean, we did the grid search and everything, and we can't find him anywhere. And Elisha looked at him and said, I told you not to go. He knew it was useless. How much you? Sometimes you just gotta let people go do their silly stuff. But by now, obviously by now, uh, what had happened there at Jer- there at the Jordan River has made it through town. Has the word has gotten out? Look at verse nineteen. This is the account we were trying to get to. 
And the, man, and the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant. So he's there in Jericho. This man comes and he says, Listen, Jericho is a beautiful city. Jericho's got it going on. Everything in Jericho is wonderful. Jericho's good. It's a good city. We're well taken care of. He said, But... He said, the situation of the city is pleasant. As my Lord seeth. Now, this man doesn't know Elisha at all, but all of a sudden he's willing to give Elisha. He said, oh, you're my Lord. I'm going to follow you, my Lord. In other words, he recognizes that Elisha has some type of power. He said, but the water is not. The city's good, but the water's not. And the ground is barren. Uh, in other words, the water was not drinkable. The water was not, uh, um, there was not enough water to take care of the ground. The ground was not producing food. Uh, this was not a good situation. And, if, and Jericho was a big city. So if Jericho doesn't have water to drink and water to water the ground and the ground's not producing any food, what do you think the, the state of the people are? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not good. They're, they're, they're not doing well. Not doing well. And uh, he said, for the, ground's, for the ground is barren. And he said, this is Elisha, he said, bring me a new cruise, in other words, a vessel, and put salt therein. Put some salt in this vessel. And they brought it to him. And he went forth onto the spring of the waters. Onto the spring of the waters. He went to the place where the waters are supposed to supply the city. Now check this out. And he cast the salt therein. Now typically when you add salt to water, that's not helping the situation any. That's going to add to dehydration, not take from it. That's not going to help the plants. That's not going to help the ground. But in this situation... He did something unusual. How much do you know Jesus did something unusual at the wedding? They said, bring us, they said, you know, Mama Mary said, uh, Jesus, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, bring me some vessels, some cruises, bring me some, bring me some vessels and fill them with water. And everybody's thinking, fill them with water. Now, Kathy, remember her trip from Israel? Remember that huge? These were not little. These were not vases. These were huge, thirty-gallon vessels of water, and they filled them up with water. And they're thinking, well, Jesus, we didn't want water. We wanted juice. We wanted wine. How I many you know? Sometimes God will have you do something that doesn't make sense. And it says. And he went forth to the spring, to the spring of the waters, to, in other words, to the head, to where the water came out, and cast the salt in there, and said, "Thus saith the Lord, I have healed the waters. I have healed the waters, and there shall not be from hence any more. Check this out, any more death. So apparently, people were dying because of the state of the water, or." barren land not only did god begin to not only did god bring healing to the people he brought healing to the land now what in the new testament what is what is the uh, christian called 
He's called, we're called the salt of the earth. And Jesus is the living water. So when, what happens when you put the, when you bring people, newborn believers, which are salt, into the living water type and shadow? It brings life and it stops barren, the barren land, the non-producing land. It's all types and shadows of, uh, shadows of the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Glory to God. It's amazing what God will do. It's amazing what God will do. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. And, uh, oh, God's so good. God's just so good. Uh, we're going to pick up. We're going to start for the sake of time. We're not going to get all the way through the next healings, but we're going to start in Chapter 4. We're going to start in Chapter 4, and we're going to look here at a little bit here. We're not going to get all the way through Chapter 4, I don't think, because of time. But in Chapter 4, uh, actually, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stop right here tonight. Leave, leave us off a little early. But Chapter 4 has three different healings in it, and I don't want to get started and then not be able to finish uh, so we're going to look at just this one healing that we just looked at because it was powerful. We've learned a lot about standing in faith. We've learned a lot about pushing, standing uh, in faith for healing. Um, and and, and now, now when he, you know, and here's the other thing about healing. We know this. Remember, um, and we're going to see this coming up. Remember uh, the one, the prophet. Uh, Elisha, we'll see this here uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. Elisha told Nahum to go dip himself in the river seven times. Remember, Jesus which told the um, told the the blind man. Uh, remember, he spat in. Well, he did a couple different times. One time, he spat in one man, blind one blind man's face. Another time, he spit and made mud of the ground and stuck it in his eyes. Another time, he told the and many times he told the healed to go show themselves to the priest because that was Levitical law. You know, here's the deal. Faith always requires an action. And sometimes God will tell you to do something that is contrary. For example, sometimes, and even doctors will tell you things that you think is contrary. If you're dealing with a lot of stiffness, a lot of muscle issues, they're going to tell you to uh, a lot of people that deal with chronic pain, uh, you know, oh, it hurts to move. Your instinct is to not move. Doctors will actually tell you you need to actually get up and physically move. This is, you know, everybody says, ah, I don't know what's wrong with these doctors in these hospitals today. Used to be when I was in a kid, you could, you know, when I was younger, you'd go to the hospital and they'd keep you for days, weeks, whatever. And now you go in and they, they kick you out the same day you go in. They, I mean, <laughs> a woman goes in and has a baby in the morning. That afternoon they're out. It's not quite that much, so quite, not quite to that degree. Hip replacement. We went in. We didn't have a hip. Bridget's mama went in and had a hip replacement that morning. By before lunch hour, she was out and on her own. Knee, I mean, they're doing all kinds of things. Why? Because they have learned what God's been telling us the whole time. Faith takes action. Faith takes action. Healing. To, for healing to take place in your body, science has proven this out, 
for healing to take place in your physical body, it requires some type of action on the patient's part. Where did they learn this principle from? Or why is that the principle? Because God created our bodies that way. He created us that way. Well, glory to God. We didn't get to two things tonight, but we'll get through three next week, I believe, because it's all in one chapter. But glory to God. We've learned a lot. Thank you, Father. Now, I don't recommend that you go home and you throw some salt in your water and that you think that that's going to get rid of your sickness because it might actually make you sick. Uh, but how much, you know, the prophet actually heard from God when he made that action. So instead of going home and throwing salt in your cup of water, go home, get before the Lord and say, Lord, what action do I need to take? What action do I need to take? What action do I need to do? Father, I'm willing to operate by faith, but I just don't. You know, if you don't know how to, what action to take, just take an action. I learned this from Dad Hagen a long time ago. Because the Lord said it to him, he was laying in his bed of sickness, confessing that he was the healed of the Lord. And the Lord began to speak to him, and the Lord said, well, he said, the Lord interrupted him, and the Lord said, well, you keep saying that you're, my, that you're the healed of the Lord. And Ken Hagen said, that's right, I'm healed. And uh, the Lord actually spoke to him and said, then why are you in the bed? Why are you in the bed? And, and uh, Ken laid there on the bed of paralysis and thought about it, and he thought, well, Lord, you got a good point. If I'm healed, why am I in the bed? So he learned that day that the healed don't stay in the bed. Now, he, was still, he still had paralysis in his body, but he did an act of faith and, and uh, scooted himself to the end of the bed Threw off his paralyzed, threw his paralyzed legs off the bed, grabbed a hold of the, the post on the bed, cause it was a big, you know, four post bed, grabbed a hold of that post and, and began to speak and began to say, I am the healed of the Lord. And as he did that, health and healing, he said it felt like warm honey was poured out over his head and began to travel down his body and into his legs as he, as he held himself there dangling off that four-post bed. And he said that warm honey, the anointing, the power of God, got down into his legs and strength came to his legs. And it, and it wasn't long before he was able to walk and he got out of that bed and uh, got himself together enough that, it, that he was able to work himself down the stairs and he went downstairs and sat down at the breakfast table and ate breakfast with his family. Why? Because the healed of the Lord don't stay in the bed. And uh, honestly, I've, uh, that's one of the, uh, based on that, I've overcome colds, flus, all kinds of sicknesses, sinus infections. I've overcome chronic pain because uh, if I had listened to my body, I would be, I'd be a miserable mess stuck in the bed. I would be. I'd be a weight and a burden to the family. But I just said, you know what? I refuse to stay in the bed because the word says I'm the heel to the Lord. And I get up and, you know, and for, you know, for a long time, I'd get up in pain and go. But by doing so, eventually over time, the pain left. And it was such a, it was such a sweet and gradual thing that I just, all of a sudden I was walking one day and I went, 
Oh, I'm not in any pain. I wasn't in pain earlier this week. I was sitting there trying to think, well, did I have pain last week? No. I didn't have any pain last week. Well, did I have pain the week before? You know, when was the last time I remember actually being in pain? Lord, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. When was the last time I dealt with that pain? I don't know. Why? Because I just did it by faith. And by faith, the manifestation of pain leaving came. Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll tithes and offerings. Uh, Father, we thank you. Zach, if you'll come tonight. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Mighty man of God. Oh, rande masake ishandande masake. Hasso. Father, as we sow seed tonight. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. As we sow seed tonight, we thank you that your word is working, that Satan's removed his hands from our increase in every area. Father, we thank you that by the working of your word, the angels have sent out to bring in the provision according to your glory in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that the word is working. And Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Father, it's a pleasure to sow. And Father, we thank you that every time we sow, an increase comes. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I'll give that instruction. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Glory to God. You can serve the people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, it'll do you good sometimes just to look yourself in the mirror. Look yourself, like, get, get in front of a mirror. Look yourself in the eye. Because, you know, it's behind your eyes. You know, your spirit looks out through your eyes. You know, it do you good to get in front of the mirror. Look yourself in the eye. And say, okay, God, show me the real me. And just begin and get still and get quiet and let the Lord begin to talk to you about who the real you is. That would do you some good. It'd do you some good. Well, now you're just getting fruity. No, I'm not getting fruity. Just, just it, it, it's, a ta- it's, a, it's a thing that will help you, especially if you deal with low self-image. Because you'll begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Because the habit is we look at ourselves and we pick out the flaws. When God created you by his hand, and so now sometimes, and I still do this. I, this is how I got over some insecurities is I just started doing this. I, I didn't know why I was doing it. In fact, when I started doing it, I thought, well, this is weird, but I knew it was by the Spirit. And uh, so now I still, every once in a while, you'll catch, you, I, don't, I try not to do it when people are around, but I do it out of just habit. But every once in a while, I'll walk by a mirror, and I just stop, and I just look, and I go, okay, God. And I just, I just see myself the way God sees me why because God sees you in and through the blood of Jesus Christ he sees you in and through the blood of Jesus Christ he sees you in his perfection not the corrupted imperfection of the flesh glory to God well amen amen we'll be back in here Wednesday night at 7 for service prayer Friday night at 6 glory to God if you need us you know how to find us
Y'all have a blessed and a wonderful week. In Jesus' name.